Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Word Balloon, the comic book conversation show. John Suntress here. Great conversation today with Neil Holman of Floyd County Animation. The people who uh, have brought us in the past, uh, C-Lab 2021, Frisky Dingo, a show that Neil worked on, and of course, Archer. Man, eight seasons strong. They're going into season eight and uh, wrapped up season seven this year. Uh, Neil is behind The Art of Archer, which is a good thing because Neil is the art director on the Archer TV series. And The Art of Archer is this incredible coffee table book that really gives you everything you wanted to know about the Archer series. Uh, from the shift in season five to uh, character designs, how they do the things that they do visually. It's all covered here, plus uh, great uh, you know interviews with the cast and the crew and uh, the cars you name it, it is in this incredible volume, The Art of Archer. Uh, Neil also has a comic coming out from Oni Press called Red Lines. It comes out in March, and uh, we talk about that. It's a pretty cool uh, thing, uh, extrapolating uh, what our U.S. Uh, forces uh, do, uh, say, uh, in foreign countries and stuff. Well, instead, imagine them on Mars. It's a few years into the future, but pretty much the military does look the same, and uh, there are a lot of uh, allegories to the military's conduct on Mars as opposed to in uh, countries like, uh, you know, the Middle Eastern countries and the like. So uh, it's a great conversation. We also do a little 2015. Uh, it's a great conversation. We also do a little 2016 wrap-up of what we liked and what we didn't like. I think you're going to enjoy this conversation with Neil Holman on today's Word Balloon. Today's Word Balloon brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you, League, for your support. Uh, you know, uh, it's uh, been a great 2016, and I couldn't have done it without you. Thank you very much. If you would like to be a member of the League of Word Balloon listeners, you can do that by uh, subscribing to Word Balloon via Patreon. If you go to wordballoon.com, there is a Patreon ad right there on the front page. Click on that. It will take you to my Patreon page. And if you can even spare even a dollar a month. That would be terrific. Think about it. You know, Word Balloon, I, I try and give you a lot of entertainment every month. Uh, if you think what I do and the interviews that uh, you get to hear because of Word Balloon is worth the price of a comic, you know, three ninety nine, four ninety nine, uh, that's great. Thank you. Um, but uh, the place to do it is uh, at uh, patreon.com slash Word Balloon. Or if you go to wordballoon.com and click on that Patreon ad, it will take you to my Patreon page. Uh, thank you very much, League of Word Balloon listeners. Word Balloon is also brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com. It's uh, Thursday as we're uh, recording this. And, uh, man, there's some really neat uh, things happening at InStock Trades. Uh, for example, you can get uh, Black Widow, uh, a trade paperback called Web of Intrigue. And it includes uh, work from uh, a lot of different people, I guess. Uh, I'm, I'm looking to see who's uh, who's in here. But it's got a great George Perez cover, and it really deals with uh, the champions, S.H.I.E.L.D., and, of course, Black Widow herself. Uh, Web of Intrigue is 45% off. It's just $13.74. You can get Irredeemable from our buddy Mark Wade and uh, Peter Krause. Uh, this is also uh, Eduardo Barreto is in there, or is it his, uh, his son? It might be his son. I Forgive me. I forget... Uh, Eduardo's uh, uh, son's name. There we go, Diego Barreto. Shame on me. Uh, with a great John Cassidy cover, though. This is pr uh, the premiere edition hardcover, volume three. It's 30% off, just $20.99 for Irredeemable. You can get volume five of the classic run of Suicide Squad. This includes our friend John K. Snyder as the artist. 
Uh, man, really neat stuff uh, going back to the 80s and the original Suicide Run. Uh, Luke McDonald is also included in there, some uh, Luke McDonald art. But uh, it's Volume 5, Apocalypse Now. Well, you can do the math and figure out who's uh, going to be part of that story. But uh, it's 45% off, just $10.99. You can get Spider-Gwen, Volume 2, A Weapon of Choice. That's Jason Latour and our buddy Robbie Rodriguez, both our buddies. Uh, that is 45% off, $8.79. How about the Punisher trade paperback, On the Road? That is uh, Becky Cloonan and uh, the late, great Steve Dillon together uh, collecting uh, Punisher 1 through 6. It's uh, 50% off, just $8.99. You get these books and more at InStockTrades.com. Don't forget, if your orders are $50 or more, you'll receive free shipping. Do yourself a favor. Go there today and start saving money. It's a great way to uh, make a last-minute Christmas present or, uh, you know, if you're listening to this after Christmas and you are uh, you find yourself with some uh, spending cash that Nana or some favorite aunt or uncle or even your parents gave you money to blow, a great place to do it, InStockTrades.com. All right, let's uh, get our conversation started now with Neil Holman. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to welcome him back. I can't believe how long it was. We talked about it at the very start of the conversation, so I'll let uh, Neil guilt me. But, uh, man, I'll tell you, Art of Archer looks great and uh, very excited for Redlines as well. And you will be, too, after you hear this conversation with Neil Holman on Word Balloon. It's been forever since I've spoken to Neil Holman. It's been almost a decade, yeah. Has it really been that long? It's been like eight years, I think. I think you're right. I haven't actually gone to look it up, but I, I... at least seven years. Well, welcome back to Word Balloon. <laughs> Thanks, man. It's really, it's really great to be back. Oh, it's my pleasure, man. And seriously, I'm glad you contacted me and told me about uh, your various projects that you got going on. Um, but yeah, actually, you were the uh, when they were asking like uh, who, what websites and uh, podcasts we want to uh, reach out to. You were the uh, on the top of my list. Like, well, you know who I love talking to, John Suntress. That's very nice, man. I, I genuinely appreciate that. That's the velvety voice of comics. Yeah, but you don't need me, man. Jesus Christ, Archer, kicking ass. That's not true. Seventh season wrap Archer... up. You're you're in production for season eight. Yeah, it's crazy. It is. Uh, had you asked me when we talked way back in season one if we would go eight seasons, I think I probably would have laughed, uh, or I would have said something like, "Oh, well, I'll be dead before then." But well, and, and uh, so yeah, they... it's crazy. When they moved you to to FXX, and and I watched a shit ton of FXX, so right. you know, I mean, you know, I guess it's okay, but yeah, that's kind of, you know, all of a sudden, technically, from... we haven't moved to FXX yet. Uh, they talked about it last season, oh. but then at the last second, they put us back on FX proper. Um, and this season, they're saying again that we're going to go to FXX, but. I also don't know if that's been officially confirmed. Okay. So I still don't know. I still okay. don't know which way we're going. Oh, that's good, um, man. And there you go. But cause... FXX is actually doing really well. So wherever we end up, I'm, I will be happy. Yeah, and, I, and honestly, I guess the line even blurs for me because, like I said, I thought for sure I was watching it on FXX. But that's Everybody okay. watches through DVR. Like, I, I mean, yes. that's the way I watch yes. 90% of my television. So. I mean, if you ask me what channel, other than like HBO, if you ask me what channel some some of these shows that I watch come on, I, I, I'd be hard pressed to tell you. I, well, that's the world we live in right now, absolutely. And I imagine streaming. Yeah, no I imagine streaming is doing well for you guys, as you know, through Netflix and and the like. Am I correct? Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Um, it has done very well on FX or on uh, Netflix, and now FX has their own uh, app 
that's yes, uh, out, and it's done done pretty well on that as well. Very cool. And uh, you're here to talk about a book that you are a big part of, and that is The Art of Archer. Yeah, it's a, it's a book we talked about doing for a long time, uh, and then we finally decided to uh, pull the trigger. Uh, HarperCollins uh, sort of a, a deal was broached between HarperCollins and FX, and the timing worked out. We decided we'd put this art book out. And uh, I, I'm really happy with the way it, come, it, it came together, and it, the printing on it is really awesome. You know, like sometimes you don't know how the final product is going to sure. look once it's yes. all printed up. And I'm, I'm super proud of it. I, I think it looks great. I think it's, uh, it's cool and it's unique and it's not just a bunch of pretty pictures. Uh, it, you know, the art of Archer is much more about the figurative art and the, the process of how we make the show, not just the pretty pictures. Um, it, it's really at its core. It's kind of a love note to our crew, which is what I wanted to do. That's awesome, um, man. Yeah, so man, absolutely. I, Go on. I, I, I dig it, you know? Like, I, I, I'm, I'm rare to toot my own horn, but I, I really I really love it. I got to tell you, man, it looks fantastic. And you just sent me the PDF, and I told you, even before we started recording, I'm like, hey, if I didn't already say yes to a hard copy, uh, I'm saying it now because it does. It's gorgeous, man. And the the visuals absolutely pop from even the PDF that you sent me, and it's a big PDF, so it looks like it's good resolution and everything. But like you say... I mean, this is everything. This is like from the pitch to the kind of pilot idea, uh, yeah, uh, character design, and 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 it's great. And, and you talk <laughs> and to some everyone. ugly character designs in there too. You know, like we <laughs> we didn't really shy away from. All right, well, this is where Archer. This is our first design of Archer, and he looked like a serial killer. <laughs> you know, like there's there we didn't shy away from showing our our mistakes, um, and I think. You can see the there was a lot more comparisons between early seasons and seasons now that I, I had in there that I ended up cutting, but there's still some of it in there to show how we've grown as a production, how the show. Uh, if you look at the pilot compared to where we are now, it's it's a much different beast. Um, so yeah, it's got it's it's got everything in there. It's got uh, and it has the interviews with our cast yes. and uh interviews with even Kevin Kenny uh who was uh integral to the country music in season 5 uh so it's it's got a lot of stuff it even covers the DVD shorts which a lot of people <laughs> haven't seen yeah at the end, and appropriately the, in the extra section of the book and everything. That's great. Uh-huh. The the anime porn one is a big hit. <laughs> <laughs> well also the uh when you go back to those character designs, those photographs that are at, at the bottom and stuff of oh, yeah. headshots. Now, those were those the original models for, yeah. for the characters yeah, yeah. and stuff? Because yeah, that's really uh, those were the original models. That was there's a we did that uh, pilot in a um, a shitty house in East Atlanta where we had a that's where we animated uh, Frisky Dingo as well. Yes. And so we hired these models to come in, and I think they were super creeped out to go to this neighborhood in this crappy little house. <laughs> <laughs> and walk in, there's like nine dorky dudes ready to take pictures of them in wigs. Um, and the photos are not flattering. You know, they're used to these nice model shoots with fans blowing their hair all around and we're just making them say the alphabet and make silly faces, you know? <laughs> so, uh, they were not 
they eventually they got into it. But when they they first got there, you could definitely see the uh, hesitancy in their eyes of what have I gotten myself? Yeah, they, they probably felt like they were about to be rolled, you know, and you guys going to beat them with a sign. Yeah, a completely. Like Absolutely. Man. Completely. <laughs> I mean, that pilot was made by nine dudes in a house, you know. Uh, it wasn't like it was this huge production. It was uh, we were just trying to make a show and by the skin of our teeth. So was that the original? Like you know, uh, obviously it was. It was the original like uh, place you guys were making. Like you said, Frisky Dingo and uh, did see like yeah, Frisky did Dingo. We moved there when we yeah exactly like uh, we moved there right at the start of uh, Frisky Dingo. Um, right as Sea Lab went down. Um, we sort of moved out of uh, this loft that we were in uh, to this house that Matt and Adam bought. And I'm pretty sure the neighborhood thought we were uh, like drug dealers because, you know, there's sure. cars in and out of this house. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Ford, our neighbor, came over and knocked on the door. And went, What's going on here? <laughs> you guys and, uh, got a meth lab happening here? Yeah, exactly, and that's how we got to meet Mr. Ford. I mean, that's he became a character on the show because he was such a character in life. Like he is. That's uh, fantastic. I'm barely certain he still. Man, he would just sit on his porch and like play the saxophone, <laughs> and then uh, like every now and then you look out and there's three more people that had like a brass band going. Uh, is, is he, it was he was an amazing, amazing is. Amazing man, I, I I love Mr. Ford. Is he aware of his uh, contribution to the show? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we <laughs> we paid him for his voice acting. Oh, okay. that really um, was him. Wow. Oh, that's. Oh funny. yeah, that's him. The character it looks like him. It was based on him. <laughs> uh, he, it's his voice acting uh, in the booth. That's <laughs> um, great. He uh, he would always pronounce obstacles uh, as extra Uh <laughs> Like he, it was just. There are a million Mr. Ford stories, uh, a lot of which I probably shouldn't share, but uh, he's just amazing. He's near and dear to me. That's outstanding. That's funny. My favorite cast member really is Jessica Walters because she is so Oh, man, yeah. And I'm sure we talked about her the the first time we talked eight years ago, but I just heard her on Gilbert Gottfried's podcast with Ron Liebman, her her husband. Who is also awesome. Yeah. Have you guys had You you have to have had him on. I'm sure you've had him on. Yeah, he was. Um, so Mallory got married um, to Ron Cadillac, and he was voiced <laughs> by Ron Liebman. I think that's that was great. season five. No, season four. Oh, that's awesome, um, man! I'm going to dive back. That's great. Oh Jesus, he is. And, uh, he's he was he was perfect, and the two of them together uh, just play off each other really, really well. The guy but is- yeah, uh, she's. She's amazing, uh, cool. and she's just, just a, a sweet person uh, as cool. well. I, I I can't sing her praises enough. Well, and eight seasons in now, I mean, it's like, yeah, like this is as big in her resume as playing Misty for me, or you know, any any great single. I wouldn't film. go that far, but... well, dude. Eight years. But, I mean, well, but she's shown. I mean, yeah. these. I mean, it's the same chops that she showed, obviously, on Arrested Development as well. But that's the thing, man. Right, I mean, she's right. really. Like this, this double threat of drama and comedy. I mean, she really can do it all. She can do anything she wants. Um, and that's the best part of Mallory's character is that when she needs to get dramatic and heartfelt, she does it. And when she needs to throw a snappy one-liner, she can do that too. Uh, even if it's just a sound of 
utter contempt. <laughs> she she's great. Uh, That's cool. Uh, she's you know having a an actor like that in your arsenal helps your your show considerably. You know, I got to see she wasn't there, but I did get to see Archer live. Uh, oh, you did. Ago. Yeah, when they did the tour. Yeah, they came to Chicago, and uh, God, it was right on, you know man. yeah, pretty much it was everybody. Parnell was there. I'm, I'm trying to think. I don't think Judy Greer was there. It was probably Parnell, Aisha Tyler. Uh, John. Was John Benjamin there? Or no? Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, John was there. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, and I always forget his name. Um, damn it. Um, Lucky Yates. Yeah, Lucky. Exactly. Lucky Yates. Lucky, How do you forget Krieger. Yeah. Lucky Yates? Shame on me. Uh, Lucky Yates and Amber Nash are our secret weapons. They uh, were improv. Were our improv actors here in Atlanta, and so we knew them through uh, Dad's Garage, which is the improv group here. Uh, and like they both did voices on Frisky Dingo, and I think they may have done voices on C Lab too. So we've kn- we've known them for a long time, uh, and I uh, they are awesome. <laughs> like they are always game to do whatever, and uh, they come in with a smile and go full bore into it. It's it's awesome. That's cool, you know. And well, they they certainly showed it when they were doing the stuff on stage, and it was around. The 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 Archer version of C Lab uh, cliffhanger and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was uh, Lucky. Is a did Lucky host? Yes, Normally he did. He's yes, like he the did. audience warm up guy. Yep. Yeah, that's like that is a, a job tailor made for Lucky. He's like a, he's a perfect perfect uh, host of those events. I think a, a ringmaster of yeah, so to speak. Absolutely no apt uh, apt description because yeah, it was fantastic. They were really funny. And they kept it moving, and everyone there had a blast. And it was it was just a really good time watching them. It was like watching a radio play, you know, in action and stuff. It was it was fun. And uh, and by the way, yeah, our, uh, go ahead. No, I, I was going to say our producers, uh, Casey Willis, who's our co-executive producer, and uh, Eric Sims, uh, and uh, Matt Thompson as well, do a, a lot of work to sort of bring those to the stage. And I think it, I think it's done fairly well. Do they still do um, it? They. Uh, I, I'm not sure if they're going to do it this year or not. They've got some contract stuff going on, from gotcha. what I recall. Uh, and also, like, you know, they did it for a couple of years, and they sort of are taking stock of if they're going to do it again, what they would do differently, things like that. Sure. sure. Uh, but actually, I have not asked, so that's me talking out of turn. I, re- I really couldn't say for sure what, which way that's going to go. Okay, okay. And and as you say, I mean, well, you guys, you guys are wrapping up Season 8 and everything. And which is amazing. Yeah, season eight. We are we just started pre-production on episode six of uh, season eight, and there are eight episodes this season. It's a, a shorter season than what we normally do, um, just to give Adam some time to do other things. I, I think it, as we're getting towards the later seasons, he wants to a little more. Like he was writing thirteen episodes a year, yeah. so by himself. Which is, if you think about that in terms of page count, how many pages of television he's writing a year, it's, and do the math on it, it's it's crazy. So to do eight episodes rather than 13 is a, a little bit easier on him. He can actually have a life, which is good. Is an animation um, script uh, longer or shorter than a live action script? Uh, it depends. Adam's scripts run about 35 pages for a 22 minute show. Yeah. Jesus. Uh, but that okay. said, but his dialogue is really fast. Uh, and there's, 
you know, if you look at the what happens on screen, what you hear on screen, I, I'd say ninety eight percent of that is Adam's writing. He writes very conversational and very it's very quick, uh, if that makes any sense. It does. You know, you um, know I, I just talked to James Tucker in October, um, who does the DC animation stuff, and I was asking him to compare oh, that, wow. that Adam West uh, animated movie, Return of the Cape Crusader, to like, yeah, yeah. like the Lego movies. And he said, oh, my God, you know, the Lego movies, obviously, especially given that, you know, you're writing for that seven-year-old audience as well. It's like right. zip, 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 which I think is interesting. But, yeah, like, you know... The jokes are just a, you know a mile a minute and stuff, and yeah, you guys are right. you guys got snappy patter going on, absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, it's rarely are you going to see uh, a line of dialogue that goes over a sentence. If not, if it goes to three sentences, that must be somebody's monologue. Okay. Normally, it's it's really really fast, but it's also it's not Gilmore Girls fast like a machine gun that it, you can't even follow. Well, at least I, I know people love that show, and I'm going to get all sorts of shit now. <laughs> but, I haven't, uh, I haven't I'm sure it's yet. great. It's not. It's not for me. I understand. You know, Bendis loves that show. I know. I know. <laughs> Bendis loves it. Kevin Mellon loves it. I was going to ask, how's our time. buddy? How is our buddy Kevin Mellon? Oh, he's good. He's yeah. good. He's uh He's doing his. He does some storyboards in his free time for Vampire Diaries. Uh, he just released an album. Uh, Kevin is a, a a man of many talents. I didn't know that. That's fantastic. That's excellent. Give him yeah, he got a new. He released an album. Uh, I mean, it's new. It's in the past three months or so, but it's out. If uh, people look uh, Kevin up on Twitter, you can find all of his uh, his art. Uh, Suicide Sisters is his main book that people yes. can get, and then he's got an album out now that uh, it's actually it's really good. I'm not, and I know I'm his friend, and I you, people won't believe me, but no, it's like a legitimate. All right, way to go, dude. He's a renaissance. This man. isn't. I like that. Yeah, exactly. That's very very. Cool. You know, when your friend says, "Hey, hey, listen to my album that I made," <laughs> that's going to go one of two ways. Yes, you're right. Uh, thank, thankfully, it went the the better one. That's fantastic. No, I'm glad he had a. Was it last year that the tree fell on him? Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was actually around this time last year. I oh think. my god! All right, there you um, go. Yes. It was like one of those weekends uh, or weeks where it had been raining for four or five days straight, just like that. Not like sheets of rain, but just like that piddling rain that just saturates the ground. Sure. And uh, his roommate was a, a good, at the time was a good friend of mine. Uh, she called me and said, Hey, I, uh, I, you know, Kevin's okay, but a tree fell on our house and it's on top of him. And I, I'm trying to get in touch with his parents. Do you know his parents? Can you wow. call them? I'm like, I, uh, I don't know. And so I found his uncle on Facebook and emailed him, told him the situation and please call me. Uh, he got in touch with me. Meanwhile, me and, uh, Justin Wagner, our other, uh, storyboard supervisor on the show went down and, I mean, I don't know what I was really expecting, but I mean, this tree is like as wide as a car and just demolished. I mean, just flattened his bedroom and it landed Jesus. just on his bedroom. Wow. So, yeah, man, if you can get him, uh, you should interview him for Wordblow and get him to tell you the story. He's it's a lot true. more details on it. But, I have a feeling. Yeah, really. Yeah. And he was fine. That was the crazy thing. Like in the uh, OR, in the ER, uh, 
the doctors and nurses kept coming in to check on him like you're a miracle <laughs> like you should not be alive <laughs> like, I, I want to shake your hand just in case some of this luck rubs off on me because this is crazy that's fantastic that's cool because yeah i remember but he's doing well yeah i just read i just read on twitter i mean that what, that whole ordeal and it's like oh my god dude and i'm like you know I hope you're okay he's like yeah yeah and i'm like all right <laughs> jesus christ yeah. the odds and he was watching. He was watching Jupiter ascending. <laughs> well, he <laughs> deserved it. Fell on it. Come on, that's so God, when he that's came God back to work, he, <laughs> when he came back to work, there was a Blu-ray of Jupiter ascending on his desk. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, poor Steve Scrooge. Uh, yeah, man, you should have him on the show. He's a he's yeah, it's been a, while. a much better interview than I am. No, I you know he's been on a couple times. It, it's been a while. When oh yeah, well, yeah. When Suicide Sisters came out, I had him on, and also when he uh, oh good when he did the comic with um with uh and I always I, I always want to say Brett Butler, but that's not right. Um, the girl who used to be on Attack of the Girl, the woman that used to be on the Attack oh of the show. Uh, Blair Blair, Blair uh, is yeah. it Blair Butler? Yeah. yeah, Blair Blair Butler. That's right. Yeah, was that Hart? Yes, that it was, was Hart. Was it called? was called. It was called. Yeah. Hart. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it was fun. It was fun. And then, yeah, I just, I, have, I think that was either either to talk Suicide Sisters or Heart is the last time that uh, that he came on. But cool, yeah, cool. I'll, I'll, check, I'll check in with him. All right, well, let's get back to the Art of Archer because another oh, thing, right, although, although Kevin certainly is a part of that, being one of those. No, nah, screw guys. that guy. He's a jerk. He's terrible. <laughs> you know, honestly, what's great about books like this is you really do appreciate the minutia and... It's not it's not um, fair to call it minutia, but really just the designs of the interiors, the buildings, the cars. Yeah. Jesus yeah, Christ, yeah. man. I mean, you really do appreciate this in the book. And I'm just a sucker for that aesthetic that you even say in the in in the uh, interviews that you're you're a part of when you said you know you really wanted this '60s comic book look, and just the choices of. You know the space stations, the underwater stations, the 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 futuristic looking buildings and stuff like. I mean, it's just, it really is that like great Saturday morning super spy cartoon dream, you know that luckily yeah. doesn't end because you got you know eight seasons of it right now with Archer. The designs are, you know, we we sort of say we design down to the doorknobs uh, because that specificity sort of adds the the details to the show. You know, like if you're looking at a 1960s room, but then you start to look at even the lighting and the ceiling pocket, uh, pocket lighting or the light fixtures are too modern. It could actually take you out of the aesthetic. So you have to really pay attention to the details and that's to the shape of the monitors and uh, a space station need to be more like those bubbly monitors um, from, you know, the sixties and seventies, but at the same time they need to be, a 16 by nine HD ratio so that it plays within our uh, show format. So there are a lot of, a lot of stuff you need to sort of keep in mind to keep it. You know, you can't just do a tone poem to the sixties. You got to make your own thing. Um, But uh, it's, it's really exciting. And this upcoming season, season eight, is all uh, in the 1940s, uh, 1947 specifically. Oh, fantastic! So, oh, gee, I wonder where that's going to in 1947. Oh man, it's uh, <laughs> it's you know, so we get to do all the noir stuff that we've talked about doing for uh, seven seasons. Now we're in season eight, where you can actually do these big, dark, inky shadows, and, and you know, the shadows from the Venetian blinds, and 
uh, all the, the sort of noir stuff that we've, we've been trying to talk about, but sometimes it wouldn't really fit with that 1960s vibe. Uh, the downside to it is like our whole library of awesome cars that we have built over seven seasons is now <laughs> completely unusable. So ah, it, that's true. It's, yeah, uh, that's... <laughs> it's like a brand new series. Like it is a, it is a ton of work. Uh, but visually, that's going to be fun though. All those cars and everything from the forties. Oh yeah. It's a lot of work, like you said, but it's a lot of work, but it's also, you start to appreciate a whole new era of history. You know, like I was never, sure. I was never a super muscle car guy uh, from sixties and seventies. I, I had to learn that on the, on the fly. That was more Adam Reed's love for muscle cars. And okay. I, you know, I had to be a, a pretty quick study. Uh, we all did. Um, but now it's a, a different, different chapter to study. So uh, it's been cool. And some of those forties cars, man, they're, they're pretty rad. Yeah. You know, I, I, I always watch those, um, those shows on, I forget now if it's the, I, I think it's the history channel, although it's really, well, it kind of is history, but like, you know, the count, the counting cars and stuff and people, you know, yeah, I got oh, yeah. 1952 uh, Hudson. I want to bring in and refurb and you're you know, these, these car makes that don't exist anymore. And, yeah, and God, they're absolutely. beautiful. They're really amazing looking cars. Yeah. And it's a, you know, it's an odd, 1947's a odd part of history. Cause like you know, the car manufacturing basically just came to a halt during the war. So, like, right. you know, manufacturing is just now sort of kicking back into gear. Are there um, tuckers? So, Are there tuckers in the in the show? Yeah, I think we've got one. They're not. I think we got one. Okay. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm. Yeah. If we don't, this is episode six. I'll sneak one in by by episode eight. <laughs> I'm sure. Now that I've said, yeah, we've definitely got them. Yeah, sure. Uh, okay, maybe episode eight. That's crazy, man. You know, um. I noticed too. Obviously, you guys are in the midst of rerunning this year's season, season seven, and it, this is this is the Russian season, right? This this was, you know, I mean, it's I know it's like the '60s aesthetic, but isn't that kind of good timing with, uh, unfortunately, oh, what's happening in the, as the Cold War heats up again? <laughs> as the Cold War comes rushing back to, to the forefront, <laughs> Did you, uh, yeah, it is crazier and crazier, and you know, I, there's. Literally before we started this interview, there's a report from NBC News that Vladimir Putin was uh, directly involved in the the hacking of uh, the U.S. election, and et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, oh, use great, this awesome. Email, use this email and uh, oh, God. what's important in this email. Very good. Yeah, man. Uh, it's going to hey, be so weird. Yeah, I'm with you. Sadly, I'm with you. And it's, yeah, I sh- we all shake our heads. But here we are. Yeah, <laughs> was here we are. Again. So, well, again, great, great news for the Cold War uh, uh, paradise and everything. <laughs> yeah, no hey, your, your shit's relevant again. <laughs> Amp up the Soviet <laughs> we, shit. It's back. We got to get out of the 1940s and just go back to being spies of, against Russia. Who knew? Exactly, man. Jesus Christ. That's, uh, that's well, oh, well. well I'm looking forward oh, to 47. Well. This is going to be fun, man. The, the season eight is going to be cool. It is a, a it is a visually stunning season. What, what, what I've seen so far, I think, uh, you know, we try to raise the bar every season. Between seasons, we always take stock of kind of like what worked and what didn't. How can we sort of improve our animation, uh, especially in our character rigs and our uh, vehicle rigs? So uh, we sort of learned a lot over seven seasons, and now with season eight, I, I a lot of things are coming. Uh, 
coming to fruition in terms of production. I think people are going to really dig it. It's it's an awesome looking season so far. Outstanding, and it um, and it's funny. But you know, well, well, yeah, there's yeah, you got funny. that going for you. That's cool. Now, do you guys record audio first and then do the the you know the visuals? How how does it work uh, in terms of? It's a it's a different process. Most animation, uh, most animated series, that that's the way of it. You, where you record your audio, then you storyboard your audio, and you move forward. Uh, because of the nature of our schedules, uh, Adam writes a script. Uh, it goes to the producers and the art directors. Um, our producers, excuse me, um, will take it and start casting and booking uh, VO sessions. Uh, meanwhile, we're storyboarding and designing. So. Audio and visual, the two tracks are working uh, concurrently with each other. Okay, okay. Uh, so, then, so as you said, you've got your, uh, they've already recorded then uh, episodes for season eight. Uh, no, like the uh, we by the time we are done storyboarding, uh, they are done recording that episode, uh, and it gets smacked together into an animatic, and that's where we figure out uh, if our guesswork and storyboards matches uh what the audio comes in and there's a little bit of going backward and doing some fixes and some ads uh but that's only like a day or two so um then once we're done with those storyboards the next script is ready and we'll start storyboarding that they'll start recording that while the rest of the production starts uh uh building that previous episode from a from that makes sense standpoint yeah, it does. No, absolutely. So we have does. like four episodes in production at a time of various stages. You okay. know, like so some are being written, some are being storyboarded and uh, recorded, some are being built, some are in final animation. Because of the nature of the dialogue, are they are the actors able to work together or is everyone still kind of, you know, It's all separate. I mean, they, they they're all apart. They uh Okay. Their schedules are so busy. Sure. Uh, you know sure. they're 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 all over the map. Um, so uh, we patch into their headsets and uh, record them through there. Oh, that's do they all have like ISDNs at home or whatever or whatever studios? Uh, a couple of them do, but uh, for the most part, we'll find a uh, recording studio near wherever they are. I mean, sometimes sure. they're on on location somewhere, so we'll have to do some digging, but. Um, we've got relationships with a, a more than a few recording studios now, so it works out. Sure, absolutely. I, yeah, I was just wondering. I mean, I, like you said, that is like the norm, having everybody separate and everything. But I just wondered if there is a possibility with some of these shows and where they're located, and you know, again, we always talk about it, and we always talk about like recording our audio first, and we're gonna have this nice lengthy schedule, and it, it's just. Uh, never happened in my entire career. I've never been able to storyboard audio. We've never had uh, people in the booth together. It just doesn't, it has not worked out uh, much as we've tried. Are you guys, because of um, the, I don't know if you're calling it a regular schedule or whatever, but like our deadline's a pain in the ass, are you guys doing kind of overtime and crazy hours and shit? It depends on the season, uh, but this season, because we're doing less episodes, it really we haven't hit into uh, OT yet. Good. You know, the last two episodes are always one that are, that are always bigger episodes. So it's a, a bigger mountain to climb. Uh, and that also, by that point, any pad in our schedule is gone. So those episodes are generally where crunch time occurs. Um, but so far this year, knock on wood, we, we've been okay. Uh, earlier seasons, I mean, 
I always remember season five as the nightmare season. Just like anything that could go wrong, anything that oh, could go wrong went stuff? wrong. Yeah. yeah, just like a, a million things went wrong. We mo- we had to move studios in the middle of the season just because of the way our leases worked, and we were moving to a new building. Uh, and then when we did the move, we had all sorts of server problems and techno- uh, tech problems. Then uh, we had some deadlines move. We also had some other projects uh, starting to land, which is great, but that means you got to shift staff to that, and then you got to train new staff. Uh, and it <laughs> it was just it was a rough, rough year for the staff. Um, so I always remember that season as just like a nightmare. And then I've watched it recently, and thankfully, like it's still a good season. I still think it's a, a really good. It's a good season of television. That's awesome. The uh, are there currently more than Archer uh, shows being produced for Floyd County right now? Yes, there's a lot of little things in production, and then there's some other bigger things uh, in the wings that are about to move forward, but none of which I can actually talk about. But Okay. Uh, there, it is exciting times for sure. Well, hey, well then, you know, obviously, uh, let's let's not let eight years go by when the when the exciting, <laughs> yeah, big stuff, no when the big stuff gets promoted. No, please come back. Obviously. Um, then, and what else was I going to ask regarding that? Uh, let's see. So deadlines, and he said no. It's it's been smooth. You know, obviously with the with less episodes. Um, I'm trying to think. I had a good question for you, and now and now it escapes me. The uh, you know, all right, so you know, all right, that totally derailed me. I'll, I'll have to think for a second. <laughs> Sorry, buddy, um, just cut this part out. No, it's yeah, exactly. Fun. Editing's my friend. It's all right. No, no. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I, I you know, I, well, I uh, back to the book. The book is out now. Uh, book is out now. Yeah, it is uh, in your bookstores. It's at uh, HarperCollins uh, website. It's at uh, FX website. At Amazon, of course. So get it wherever you want to get it, but try to support your local shops, please. Yeah, and uh, just in time, uh, well, this will come out before the holiday and everything. Uh, so, you know, if you, for the Archer fan in your life, uh, truly, I'm not kidding. Uh, yeah, it's a great book. It really is a great book. It's gorgeous, and it is Thanks, man. this like all encompassing. Absolutely, man. No, it's great, and it really does cover all aspects of production. There are there are script snippets in there. Um, oh, I know what I was going to ask you too. Um, is as I mean, again, season eight, and you say it's less episodes and stuff. Is it uh, like is Adam having you know? Is it tough? I mean, when you know you've you've gone to the well so many times. I mean, are, like, are there still great ideas? The fact that you're doing 1940 oh, yeah. shows, yeah, yeah, that, that's a really great you know thing. Is you know, would it be possible beyond you know for future? Is if, could you see future seasons exploring other uh, eras and things? I, 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 Adam keeps his uh, cards pretty close to the chest as to what he has planned for future seasons, but we have uh, eight, nine, and ten uh, for sure coming. And then he wow, has said great. he has said that uh, he's like, oh, I think I might end it after ten, uh, but I, I don't think I will believe it when I see it. That guy doesn't just stop having ideas. Yeah, great so. man, Jesus Christ, seriously, that because. Especially Ten seasons, that's crazy, right? Well, yeah, and it flies in the face of, you know, kid animation. And, you know, um, like we were talking earlier, DC Animation, I mentioned it before. And, you know, you hear about how an audience absolutely wanted, back in the day, you know, more seasons of Justice League. 
when it was so good. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and you know, the powers that be were so, well, you know something? For the Y7 audience, you make two se- you know, you make 52 episodes, that's plenty. If you get to even that, 26 episodes might be enough. And then, you know, you move on to the next idea. Too goddamn bad if people want more. That's I just know, the way man. it is. And Jesus, man, 10 seasons, you're, uh, that's a guarantee with uh, FX or whatever? Yeah, that's with FX. Uh, Fantastic. And, you know, that's FX great. has been, you know, they, they have stood by us and they have uh, always, even in the early seasons when our ratings weren't weren't great, but we got, uh, thankfully, we got some good critical reviews. So, uh, but FX has always stood behind us and been incredibly supportive. So I, it's a lot of this is also to FX's credit for sticking with us and not just cutting and running. You know, I, I think it would have been easy to give up on us, and, and they didn't. Well, you know, the leap from, you know, C-Lab to Frisky Dingo to Archer is evident when you watch them side by side. Yeah. And I really yeah. do think that it's the aesthetic <laughs> of Archer that really does make it stand out, and it's distinct. And it's – so, yeah, it did maybe it did take a couple seasons for, you know, people to catch up. And that I, I think really it did. I, I think it also took uh, – two seasons for us to really get our footing behind uh, production to iron out all the kinks. You know, we, sure. when we started the show that season one, even I think when I, I talked to you during season one, we were still kind of making up a lot of this as we go, as far as how we did production. I mean, first season, we didn't even have a person in charge of HR for the company, you know, <laughs> like just trying to figure out how to be a company versus not just making a show. Um, <laughs> Because we went from a we went from a staff of nine to that first season to a staff of like forty. Now on Archer, just Archer, there's a staff of about seventy at Floyd County. There's a staff total of about a hundred and hundred and ten around there. That's uh, so, you know, we we've grown and grown, and we we've sort of had to learn how to become uh, a company and have a, an employee handbook, you know, and a social media policy, and you know. Things like actual corporations do, uh, which is, you know, is, from my standpoint, has been kind of neat to see to go from this sort of fledgling company to, uh, oh, we actually have our shit together now. Um, and in terms of the show, that's also we, we are much more organized now than we, we ever have been. So it, and it's I think it really took two seasons for us to kind of figure out our animation process and really what we're doing. I think uh, episode 211, when they went to uh, Monte Carlo, that uh, Formula One episode, <laughs> yeah, always stands out in my mind of like, that was when it clicked for me of like, yeah, we actually know what we're doing now. We're not just barely making it to the finish line. We are, we're cranking. And That's since awesome. then, it's just gotten better every year. Uh, story-wise, for me, I, when I really felt like, we are doing something crazy different than any other show uh, was the cancer episodes in season two. Uh, that's where I felt like Adam sort of turned shit, said to the world, like, this is not just your average show. You know, this is something yeah. new. Absolutely. Jesus, you mentioned the Monte Carlo one though. And it's so funny. I literally just finished watching the Steve McQueen Lamont's documentary. It's on uh, Amazon. Oh yeah. Yeah, and I wondered, did you guys go back to like Grand Prix and 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 Le Mans and watch oh, yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. We would Grand <laughs> Grand Grand Prix especially. We were I watched a ton of it, and then I watched. Yeah. There's some behind the scenes footage of them just 
driving around Monte Carlo with a camera mounted to it. Just it's insanely fast. Yes. I, I, yeah. I cannot believe <laughs> it looks stupidly dangerous. <laughs> well, yeah. And then the same, same goes for Le Mans. If you haven't yeah. seen that, you know, McQueen documentary, they have a lot. No, of I, I haven't seen that one. Scenes footage. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And, you know, it's funny. I also remember, in contrast to that, Yves Montan, I guess, really was nervous driving. So, like, you know, I think for his scenes, they had a camera yeah, on it. Yeah, people thing. die He's doing, like, 25 time. miles or What's that? Because <laughs> people die all the time. I'd this be is nervous true. as shit, too. That's true. That's fair. Yeah. It's very fair. Uh, if I was that guy. <laughs> no, those are great. Both movies I'm, I'm a huge fan of. And uh, it, had, it had been a while since I've seen Le Mans. I saw Grand Prix. They just showed it again over the summer on Turner. Starring Jessica Walter. Indeed. That's yeah. true. Holy shit. That's funny because really, um, and yeah, she's a baby in that. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's, and she's hot super too. young now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was thinking I saw her in a, a great little movie, Bye Bye Braverman, with, uh, oh, yeah. with George Siegel and, and a ton of great character actors. I want to say Jack Warden's in it and everything. But, yeah, it's a great okay. New York uh, little movie and stuff. And, yeah, literally, just like Grand Prix, I mean, total, like, ingenue time for Jessica Walters and stuff. <laughs> you know? uh, and, of course, awesome. as we, and I know we mentioned it, I think, the first time we talked, her wonderful performance as Morgan Le Fay in the, Doctor, the first Doctor Strange movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about that? Uh, you know it. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> If I had told high school me that I was gonna like meet Jessica Walter one day, I, I that kid would not have not have ever believed it. That's awesome, man. No, that's really cool. And uh, yeah, you know, honestly, everybody, uh, you know, I love Aisha's podcast. I think she's she's great. Oh, girl and guy, yeah, and she's awesome. Yeah, man. No, she is. She's... I mean, seriously, everything she does, she's just she is really ridiculously beautiful and really ridiculously smart and cool, and it, it totally comes through. She, she, yeah, she's very genuine uh you know like i i don't really interact with the the voice talent that much and she's always sure. nothing but kind uh and just uh, a very genuine person and very uh, whip smart you know <laughs> like she's 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 the real deal and uh then you hear her on girl a guy and it, she holds her own and carries her own show she has like a hundred jobs man it's i i don't know how she has the time uh, and all of our cast is kind of is on that level. You know, it's I, I don't know how we got this lucky, but, uh, you know, I'm not asking questions. And uh, that everybody stayed, too, because, I mean, God, Judy Greer's yeah. only become a bigger and bigger star as, as yeah, her I, career I, continues. I don't think any of our cast actually need to be making our show. <laughs> you know, they do it because they like it. Uh, That's fantastic. Uh, Judy, especially, you know, is this huge mega star, mega movie star. So, yeah. Uh, I, and and her live action, her live action FX show, of course. Yeah, that's absolutely. Still going on or not, but yeah, it was really. No, cool, it, the, I think it oh, ended really? uh, last oh, year. Oh, that's yeah. too bad. You know that, and yeah. um, did you see the comedians, the uh, the one with Billy Crystal, and uh... yeah, I saw a few episodes of it. I, I didn't regularly uh, watch it, but uh, you, you know, I watched the whole thing. You know, Bettis and I talked about it. Bettis was like, "Yeah," and I'm like, "I gotta be honest, man. I, I agree that it had Josh Gad uh, is the co-star for people who don't know, right? And it was right, it right. was an interesting idea, and it got better as the season moved on. And I really thought it was like, all right, you know, they had the first season kind of like you just said about Archer. You gotta you gotta yeah. figure out the show. 
And sometimes yeah, it does take more than a season to really figure out like everything and shake it down and 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 get it you know good. So anytime, yeah, I was kind of disappointed. Anytime somebody says, "Oh, I just watched the pilot and then I, I I gave up on it," like that's you can't just watch it one episode, especially not the first episode, and expect it to be gold. You got to give it some time to find its footing. So I'm glad to hear it. Uh, it it sort of turned it around toward the the end of the season. Yeah. Yeah, but unfortunately, you know, yeah, but FX uh, didn't, I think, greenlight a second season, as far as I understand it. Oh, well. Uh, uh, yeah, I knew, you know, that, I, knew, I knew that. I think I did know that, actually, that they weren't going to a second season. But, you know, that's the way it goes. It's uh, Yeah, it's TV. Peak, it's peak TV, as they say. So Yes, yeah. Well, uh, well, and again, that's what's cool about Archer. My God, it you know, flies in the face of that and is eight seasons strong and, and guaranteed ten. That's fantastic because – there's too much TV. I mean, I'm sure there are shows that you've had recommended to you that you haven't been able to get to yet. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's there are tons. Mr. Robot's sitting in my queue. Me too. Just waiting for me to watch it. And I know it's great. Everybody says it's great. Says it's awesome. I've avoided spoilers, but I just have not had time to get to it. I uh, well, let's but... move on to uh, – go ahead. I was going to say, let's uh... – Let's move on to Redlines. Your your your, yeah, your comic yeah, yeah. book comes out in March. I have a so, comic book coming out. That's so yes, crazy to actually say. Man. Yes, and not say great. it as a, a preposterous joke. Yeah, it's a it's a real comic book, John. So so is this uh, an ongoing? Is this a limited series? What's the the plan for Redline? Uh, it's Red a limited Lines. series. It's uh, five issues uh, coming out from Oni Press. Um, so it'll come out, I think, in the first week of March. Uh, is when the first issue lands. And, you know, if it does well, I have plans for another arc or, or three. Um, but if it tanks or if they, uh, we can't do it with uh, Clay McCormick and Kelly Fitzpatrick, the artists on the book, then, you know, that first arc is a, a one-and-done arc. You know, it's, it'll stand on its own two feet. So uh, I have other plans, but, you know, if it's just these five issues, I, I still think it'll be a good series. Cool. Give me the elevator pitch on uh, red lines. Oh boy. Uh, it's a military <laughs> noir. <laughs> I hate these things. Uh, it's a military noir, uh, and it's set on Mars. So they're just from the terrain perspective. There are a lot of parallels to modern day, uh, conflicts in the middle East with our military Absolutely. there. Yes. Uh, so, you know, the, the ground, I, view is a story following a uh, uh, Office of Special Investigations uh, agent, Denton Coyle, uh, which is like the Air Force's version of NCIS. Uh, uh, so he's an OSI agent, and a, a bomb blows up, and the wrong people are blamed, and he tries to right that wrong. That's sort of the ground-level view. But if you take a step back and go to the macro view, there are broader themes about you know, conquest and war and human history uh, and, and our our sort of patterns uh, that can be seen. Plus some I, jokes. I, well, yes, and I felt the parallels between uh, the Middle East and Mars in in this case. And uh, the visuals look great, and uh, it is funny, and it's a uh, it's it's a good uh, it's a good beginning. You you sent me the first issue. It comes out in March. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Correct. think it's the first week of March. It'll go into solicit uh, at the end of uh, December. So I think starting uh, December 28th, people can go to their stores and pre-order it. 
So That's cool. We'll look from for it. It's from Oni, uh, Oni Press. From Oni. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Is there any sort of preview online or anything like that, or as far as images uh, there, or anything people can see? Uh, there was a preview uh, Bleeding Cool put out uh, a few months ago, uh, and I think Comic Book Resources may have an article coming out soon. I'm not sure if it's out right now as we okay. speak, but it, it may be out by the time this podcast is released. And who are your artists again? Uh, Clay McCormick. Uh, is the penciler and inker, uh, and Kelly Fitzpatrick is the colorist, and Crank's doing the letters on it. Uh, uh, Chris Crank, our old friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's very uh, cool. Yeah. Uh, but how'd you, awesome, how'd you get uh, how'd you get Kelly? Yeah, how'd you get Kelly and uh, and, and Chris? How'd you find them? Uh, Clay, uh, Clay came through. Me. Kelly and Clay both came through Oni. Uh, Oni suggestions. I, I was not really aware of either of them, although they've both done tons of work. Uh, Clay. Uh, worked with uh, Sean Gordon Murphy when you remember when Sean Gordon Murphy had like a house where he was teaching artists for like a year or something. Yeah, I've talked to so, a couple of his students. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So Clay was one of those guys. Uh, oh, cool. and, uh, so he was in a cafe racer and then has done some other work. And so when I saw his samples, I mean, you know, he has some of Sean Gordon Murphy's uh, isms, uh, but also like he's. he's I think his acting is really good. I, I, I think his inks yes. are really, he, he was just the right fit from the first sample that I saw uh, to the point where James uh, Jones, the uh, editor in chief was uh, asking like, do you want him to do a test? I'm like, no, why? We, we both like him. Let's just give him the job if he wants it and uh, go from there. And Clay, uh, he's a, he's been a really perfect fit for me. It was, um, I just swore to myself that I would not be art director guy on this book because that's a danger. You know, like uh, that's what I do in my day job is to just look at art and nitpick it. And uh, what I wanted to do with this book is just to try to write it and only speak up. If I saw something that was either not going to work as well with what we had uh, with the story, or if I saw some, something that was kind of hurting the page and always I was offering them uh, those critiques as suggestions more than this has to change. You know, I, I was just very nervous that I was going to overstep my bounds there uh, just because that's my, my day job, you know? You, um, and Clay, to his credit, was super receptive to any note and was more asking me like, are you sure you want, let's come on, <laughs> give it to me. Give me the give hard me stuff. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And well, Kelly, honestly, Kelly came ahead. in yeah, talk, yeah, uh, Kelly. on colors, and just from page one, man, she's just crushing it. She has a, she's using a really limited uh, palette on it that I think adds a lot to the book. I think it, you know, there are some books out there that I won't name that just over render everything, just using every every little trick that they can do, and by sort of limiting her palette. I think Kelly's done something really unique to the book, and it, it's very fitting. I think the storytelling from an art standpoint is very clear, and from a story standpoint. And uh, no, it feels like Mars. I also like these kinds of books where, I, I mean, I'm a sucker for any astronaut book. You, get, you had me at hello. But I also yeah. like the second wave of, all right, we're on the we're on the planet. We've established enough, and, it, and when you reach this military sort of level of colonization or you know 
whatever, you know, yeah, basically just kind of taking over the planet and, and discovering, you know, what, what might be left over from uh, the previous civilization that was there. So, uh, no, I think that's, that's a fun place to set a story. And, um, again, the analogies to today's military are very clear, but it's all, it also works really well as a science fiction mystery. So it's quite good. Yeah. The thing, uh, thanks man. Um, the thing that I really didn't want to get into is the inside baseball of like, how do they breathe? What about the air? Like just, no, we're terraforming it. Don't worry about that. What about the physics? What are, you know, like just, no, I don't want to spend time explaining the minutia of their day-to-day life. That's not storytelling. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and the other thing, I, because it's a sort of noirish detective book at its, you know, when you boil it really down to its principles, I wanted to avoid the, uh, the thought captions, you know, that sort of storytelling technique that a lot of comics do just because I st- when I first started writing the script, that's what I was doing is like, you know, that inner monologue caption text. And it just became a sea of text. And I, anytime I read a book, that's just a text all over the place. Uh, it's kind of a, a roadblock for me. And, and when I pick up comics, so uh, I made a, a conscious effort to not do that. And then the story is told just through dialogue and I try not to do a whole lot of exposition dumps, you know, not big paragraphs yeah. of text. Uh, although there is one big expo- exposition dump on those in the first issue. And that's basically it from there on. And, you know, it's coming in on the middle of a story and you can figure out the details sort of on your own rather than just explaining how did we got there? What was the first civilization? Sure. You know, explaining every little history of it. I like hinting at history rather than just giving you the full story. Yeah, I, I, honestly, I didn't feel lost. I, I, I think it's clear. And uh, cool. No, I like it. I think again, I, I like these kinds of uh, sci-fi mysteries and things. And it, you know, it's uh, that's that's really cool. I just talked to Kyle Higgins, and his is more of a, an astronaut book uh, and kind of a murder on a space station kind of thing. But oh, neat. Uh, no, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, what's the name of that book? That is Hadrian's Wall, and uh, okay. image, and uh, yeah, a neat book and everything. No, I'm kind of glad that you know, sci-fi is go- beyond the license stuff. It's nice to see original sci-fi ideas still out there, and and people are still finding new things to say. So uh, I I like Red Lines a lot, and it's from Oni, and it comes out in March. But as you say, you can order it and should order it at uh, the end of this month. So go to your retailer and pull out that diamond catalog and. Uh, also look for those articles on Bleeding Cool in uh, CBR to to give you a, a better uh, yeah even yeah, yeah. More and, you know, I'll I'll be probably obnoxiously tweeting about it once it actually hits uh, solicits so you can Attaboy. look me up on Twitter and What's your uh, handle on Twitter uh, at Neil Holman and Neil is spelled N E A L yes, so um, yeah uh, you know I I would. I try not to be obnoxious about self-promoting, but at some point you got to do it. Oh, so, yeah, man. I hear you. Uh, well, we'll do we'll start podcast? a full court press doing? pretty soon. Very cool. That's awesome. Well, as we're uh, as we're slipping into the end of the year and everything, what uh, tell me about uh, 2016? I know you're busy with the show, but what have you read? What have you watched that you like this year? Oh man! Oh man! Let's get into it. <laughs> Uh, what have I watched? I really enjoyed Westworld. I know 
Me too. I know people have their gripes, and I get it. At the same time, that is a gorgeous show, and the acting and directing on it was phenomenal. Did you see SNL, though? Did you see SNL? I have to admit, because I really loved it, too. But when Claire McCaskill was playing uh, Angela Merkel, the German uh, chancellor, and she's just like, man, that restaurant, boy, that was pretty nihilistic, even for us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it really was, when you sit back and think about it. My God, it it was depressing as hell, but it was... It was compelling. I loved it. It was compelling. Uh, I will say that uh, you know, Sunday nights, my wife and I may have had some wine. And every episode, there's like a really serious talk where they're talking very softly for like 10 minutes. And uh, I would start to doze off almost every time. Like, I want to pay attention, but it's so quiet. <laughs> I did the same thing. That's hilarious. I was like, I'd fall asleep in the middle and be like, Oh shit! All right, fine. It's going to be on demand. I'll I'll pick a you, weekday and I'll watch it. You know you missed something important. You yes. know, there's not just banter. There's clues in there. You got to you got to go back and watch. Oh my god! Yes. Um, yes. But, but it I thought that acting on it was there. There were a few actors on there that I've seen in other things that I've just kind of been kind of lukewarm on, and then I see them on this show and they are just killing it. Yeah. You know. Uh, so I, I I and I, the visuals are stunning. Yeah. So uh, that's been really good. Uh, Game of Thrones, of course. I feel like that goes without saying. Like, sure. why bother lauding that with that show with praises <laughs> at this point? Like, it's just yeah, it's the greatest thing on television. Shut up about it. Um, Veep and Silicon Valley. I guess I just watch all HBO shows now that I'm just rattling I'm off. I'm a huge Veep their... fan, and I love Silicon Valley. Silk. I, I told so many friends. About Silicon Valley, and and I really think it's incredible. It really is. It really is. And yeah, you guys are really more in the thick. I think you're closer to relating to that show because I'm like, it's it's all new tech, and it's you know obviously that's the title, but it's so funny. God, those kids are so. It's so good. It's so quick, and there's an actual heart to it. You know, it's not just poop and dick jokes. Like it's although there is a that season one finale where they are uh at the uh the tech crunch show talking about how many hand jobs they'd have to give to like win <laughs> the show and that's not me spoiling the bit like that is an amazing amazing scene of television that's hilarious um yeah so silicon valley uh has been really great and then Oh God! What else? I don't know. What are you watching? I, while I think of other stuff, uh, what are you? What, what about you? All right. Yeah. Now I'm. Now I got to think. Uh, man, the People versus OJ Simpson was amazing. Oh and, yeah. And I did not want to watch that. Uh, both the I, documentary I had, and my arms and the were drama. so crossed. And the at drama. the start of it. Yeah. They're both. I mean, the 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 TV movie on FX was really really funny, and the and the ESPN real documentary, uh, OJ Man, right. Made in America. Holy shit. That was great, too. Right, right. And, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and I'm sure you felt the same way because, like, you know, we were old enough that when it was happening, it's like, yeah, we know. We were there. We saw. Yes. Yeah. Do we really want to invest time to watch it dramatized for a new generation? But I, I was really <laughs> impressed how there really were things to say in both projects that it was like, no, these were really good. For me, like, uh, the crazy thing. So my wife is two years younger than me. Um, but we grew up in the same hometown and, uh, you know, it's exactly like what you said, you know, you, we were of that age where this was definitely a huge, huge thing. And we both remember it really well, 
but she remembered all of the, like the gossip and minutia, like uh, the the uh, possible romance between Chris Darden and Marsha Clark. Like it was this. She knew all of the plot points where I was like, I don't remember any of this. What? Really? <laughs> this is, did this happen? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. What else as I'm thinking? Oh, um, well, certainly on the CW superhero shows. Uh, and I, and honestly, I, this season, they've only gotten better. I mean, I thought, I thought the first season of Supergirl was a lot of fun. I really think it's only, uh, they've only upped their game this season. Same goes with the flash. Um, you know, Legends of yeah. Tomorrow. Even I think it's that's the weakest of the four shows, but I do I still like it, and it's funny, and it's the lightest of the shows. And also, good God, when they introduced the Justice Society this year, I'm like fantastic. So yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. It's pretty... I, I I watched the first season of The Flash when I was sick one week, and I'm just like, all right, I guess I'll give the show a chance. Well, I'm not liking the show, you know, I was being that guy. And then the next thing I know, I'd like blown through 20 some odd episodes of it. Uh, so I have some catching up on that to do. Uh, I hear rave reviews about Supergirl, so I'm going to check that out soon. Yeah, it's really great. And, and, and they keep just introducing great DC characters on all of these shows. And, I mean, God, Wild Dog, of all things, shows up on Arrow. And you're like, oh, yeah? shit, oh, yeah. And it's like, oh, you know, and I, and I'm, I saw Max Collins in the summer – before the season started and everything, and I've been trying to get yeah. him back, and I can't wait to talk to him about it because yeah, that was one of his like throwaway, not even throwaway. I'm sure he was, I'm sure he wanted to do something big with it, but it's just so it was. I would say one of the most unlikely characters to find their way, you know, back, and you know, he's, yeah, yeah. he's front and center in Arrow this season. It's like holy shit, look at Wild Dog, that's crazy. So <laughs> comics wise, I, uh, I, you know, I, I sort of go in spurts on comics, like oh. Sure. I, I, I'll go, you know, months without reading comics, and then all of a sudden I'm just buying everything under the is sun. It, is it easier to buy trades uh, for you and and read trades than than? Uh, sometimes it depends on what well, depends on what's out there. Like I I sure. buy a lot of digital stuff. Uh, digital is kind of like if I'm just going to try something out, but if I'm going to go buy a trade, then I'll generally go to the store. And, I kind of do the same. Uh, thing. Yeah. You know, because the trades are like the books that I want to hold on to. Yes. Definitely. Um, uh, at the same time, like uh, Sheriff of Babylon, uh, uh, Tom King and Mitch Gerard, are, I think is just amazing storytelling. Agreed. It's really, really well done. Um, Did and you then, see a kinship I, at all with what you're doing with Redlines? Yeah, I, I do. I've, I've kind of jealous <laughs> of them. Um, you know, I, I started writing Redline. I think I. James and I started talking about it in 2013 and it was totally written by 2014, I think 2015, maybe. Um, so it was all done before Sheriff of Babylon started to come out. And I was real nervous that like it was going to be too similar. Thankfully that's, that's not the case, but um, yeah, there, that's just a, that's a really well done book. Like the that's art's cool. great. The storytelling's great. The, the writing's perfect. And isn't it you great can tell to see Tom King's the... spent time over there. Like it yes. just feels real. Yeah. Very yeah. authentic. Oh my God. Yes. And, and also yeah. it's just great to see vertigo get this nice shot in the arm again, because clearly, yeah, you know, image really took the game away in a lot of ways and a lot of creators away from vertigo. And you know, it's, it's just an imprint, whatever. But Vertigo really does have this amazing tradition, and I do think the influx of new editors 
and uh, the new the new writers and artists and stuff. God, you know one that, and I don't know if it counts from uh, 2016 more so than 2015, but The Kitchen. And, uh, oh yeah, the kitchen. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, and now I'm blanking, and I gotta, I gotta look him up. Um, I had the writer on Ali Masters was the writer, and okay. uh, good British writer Ali Masters. It's a, it's a New York 1970s story about an Irish mob where all the husbands go to jail, and the women decide, all right, we got to take over, we to keep the business running, and we, and then discover oh, they do it better than the men do, and then the men come of course. back. It's a, it's seven issues. And uh, Declan Shelby, and um, oh, yeah. I think I think Deck, if Deck didn't write it, then or Deck didn't have something to do with the art, then uh, Jordy uh, Belair, or no, because yeah, you know something. It was uh, oh damn it, now I'm blanking. Uh, lovely <laughs> Boston artist, and I and damn it, I forget her name. So I'm gonna have to look this up while we're talking. Uh, it's fine. Uh, yeah, I'll check that out. It sounds cool. Um, Rick Remenders and uh, Jerome often as a, a seven to eternity. Yes. I just started reading uh, a week or two ago, and and that was one that I picked up of like, all right, I'll, I'll give some sci-fi a shot. And yeah, it's super unique. The art is uh, phenomenal, and uh, it, it Rick Remender is telling telling something new. It's not yes. It doesn't seem like it's ripping off things. It seems like it is very much its own sci-fi world and i'm all for it you oh know? yeah he's got three he's one. got three really great sci-fi things going right now with low black science and, and seven to eternity i agree with you oh yeah black science oh my god black science is yeah. good mateo scalera yeah cool yeah. uh by the way ali masters um, and ming doyle are your art team oh uh, yeah for, the, for yeah, the kitchen and yeah it's uh no the paperback's out there so good stuff go on cool i'll check that out um yeah, Black Science is another book that I, I kind of picked up on a whim. Um, I, I I've been keeping up with it. It's just it's Rick Remender's doing some really great books that you can tell are they're also like perfect comic books. You know, like they are great examples of that medium versus oh, this is just a TV pitch that somebody is force fitting into a comic. <laughs> um, I. I I think it's awesome. Um, what else? Oh, uh, how about the vision? This is where you go ahead, and then I'll tell you mine. Oh, the vision, Tom King's yep. vision. It is. I bought it. It is in my uh, iPad, but I have not actually read that it much. Too. I have to say that really is the best uh, series that I read of 2016. Yeah, yeah. It just. I mean, it was something new to say about the. Vision. It's very as I keep saying, and I've had Tom on it twice to talk about it. And actually, he's coming on in the next few days, um, right after you. Um, it's it's very Ray Bradbury. It's very Outer Limits. Oh yeah, it's that, that kind of classic sci-fi um, with kind of the O. Henry twist and everything. It's it's really really smart. And yeah, it's just robots gone wrong. It's the covers to it are super rad. Man. Oh yeah. They're, they're really like you get it. It's super charming. It's a sort of almost Norman Rockwell uh, slice of life, but with the vision and his family. So I I have it. It's in my stack of two read, but I haven't cracked it open yet. Um, oh, I was just thinking of a book. Oh, this is probably where I'm going to lose some people. But uh, I saw an article on Comics Alliance this past year that said Transformers More Than Meets the Eye is the best book on the stands. And I. Harumphed 
as I read this article, <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> okay, whatever, guy. And then I was bored out of my mind. I think my wife and baby were away for a weekend, and I just needed, like, something to read, some sure. sort of popcorn, nothing. And I remembered that article. So I bought the trade. And then, you know, like the first issue of the trade, arms were still crossed of like, I don't know what all this is. Uh, Optimus Prime has some crazy history. I don't, I don't get this. And then by the end of that trade, I was starting to get into it. And then I bought the second trade and then the third trade <laughs> and the fourth trade. I bought that whole damn run. Uh, it's really good, man. It's it's impressively uh, he uh, James Roberts, I think, is the writer on it, and he takes a cast of like thirty some Autobots and Decepticons and makes them all have their own arcs. Uh, there are jokes in it that are really good. There are uh, gay romances in the book. Wow. There's a scene that is like the what's in the box scene from Seven. I mean, it gets dark. <laughs> uh, give it a shot, you know. Uh, you know, I'm going to tell you the first issue may not be the. I think what they did is they took like the end of a series and tacked it into the trade of the first start of this series. Oh, okay. And so, like the first issue really threw me, but then after that, man, it gets it gets good and like good and it gets. They do time travel. They do all sorts of like just bonkers storytelling uh i but also you know transformers the cartoon hit right when i was a, a kid so like that is that is my bread and butter nostalgia you, so no i can is, appreciate uh, that the you know what's great though yeah the, i think all the license holders nowadays in a, in a really specific way they really uh get the best writers and artists to represent this stuff because I mean, honestly, Titan is doing a great job with Doctor Who. IDW yeah. is doing a great job with Transformers, and Star Trek has been amazing. You know, I'm I'm so so on the on the JJ movies. I liked this uh, summer's Star Trek Beyond, and I really liked yeah, the first I did too. movie. But the, the second movie was kind of oh, a it was dead, horrible, uh, horrible. Yeah, I I, mean, I could not tell you what happened in that movie. Well, and but also, this last one I thought was uh, kind of charming. You know, there's exactly. some good jokes in it. No, I agree, and oh. and it's funny because, um, I man, I keep shit hammering poor uh, Zachary Quinto because, just that choice of making Spock more human, is yeah. really I think a disservice to the Spock character because, that kind of you, you nut him when when you really take his balls away because he's not the poker face badass that Nimoy uh, really was, and it's funny because at first I'm like, you know, maybe it's that just shows you how special. Nimoy was, and truly he was. But that said, right. yeah, no, I, I have to, I have to say I have MeTV, and their sister station, Heroes and Icons, runs all five TV shows, and so I'm not only watching Nimoy be Spock, but I'm also watching Tuvok on Voyager and yeah. Paul on Enterprise, and it's like, no, you know something? At the end of the day, Zachary Quinto just not a good Vulcan. I'm just not buying it. Well. I think there's also uh, a difference in stature. You know, like Leonard Nimoy was so much taller than uh, uh, what's his face casting a giant. <laughs> I agree, or literally yeah. taller. So I, I feel like physically he was a more imposing guy than Zachary Quinto. Uh, at the same time, I don't know. I think he's done pretty well with. I it doesn't bother me. I well, guess you know what's what funny the the JJ verse uh, stories in IDW that Mike Johnson writes. 
the Spock character comes off much better. And I even had him oh, on. Yeah. yeah, and I had him on back in September with the editor, Sarah Gatos, and Mike made the point of, you know, because he's like, you know, the movies are really extreme situations. So, because, again, even in Star Trek Beyond, it kind of bothers me how emotional Spock is. And, it's, and also, especially when he's with McCoy. And, you know, the point I made was, I'm like, you know, right. when you put them together and McCoy is emotional and Spock can't help but be emotional because that's who he is. And I'm like, I get that, you know, as as they say in uh, the first J.J. movie when Nimoy says, Jim, I just lost my mother and I lost my planet. Believe me, I'm emotionally compromised. And it's like, no, I get it. I understand the motivations yeah. and why. Yeah. But um, when you put them together, that means McCoy always wins. Whereas, honestly, there really was that tennis match, and you watch the old episodes of, you know, what's wrong with you, Spock, you don't feel. And, you know, Nimoy could just coldly look at him and go, really, doctor? And it's like, mm-hmm. all right, sorry, yeah, you're right. You know, I mean, and you'd, you'd get this, like, they both have their moments. And I just don't feel like that in the new dynamic. But Mike said, he goes, well, but the movies are more kind of extreme circumstances. And he said, My yeah, I think, more, you know, are, are really, you're getting more the day-to-day, Spock. And I'm like, yeah, I think you're right. right. Like in, you know, in the day-to-day issues, you can sort of tell smaller stories where in these movies, like the the universe has to be at stake yes. is what it seems like. They can't just do a, a, a simple, oh, here is a shitty day. Uh, it's got to be this massive, oh, the sun is exploding and t- all of time is going to end, you know? It, oh, yeah. it's it's different stakes, uh, and it's kind of a cor- it's a corner that they're writing themselves into, but they'll find a way out of it. Yeah, yeah, no, and I and honestly, the third made me move made me excited for a fourth movie in a way that the second yeah. movie didn't make me excited for a third movie. So yeah, it's like no, I want to see it. God, that station, that space station. Uh, oh right, holy that shit! Oh my god, that was a paperback cover come to life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that was the old sci-fi, like seven, 1970s sci-fi art. That oh, yeah. Just, oh, yeah. I, I, I loved it. It was ridiculous. Any other? Uh, I just watched uh, Spectral on Netflix. as a Netflix, I think it was a straight-to-Netflix movie that uh, really surprisingly good. Like, I didn't really know what to expect. Uh, it's where this guy is an engineer uh, for, like, DARPA, uh, creating weapons for the government, and uh-huh. he—you know—they have a scene where he has a conscience, you know, that sort of thing. But he had invented some uh, uh, goggles, uh, some scopes for soldiers to see different uh, spectrums of light. And over in some country in Europe, I didn't catch what they said at front of the front of the movie. Maybe they made up a country like a Bosnia stand-in. Um, some soldiers see apparitions like ghosts and then those ghosts kill them. But, you know, they have the scope and the, the military has the scope and recording. And so they bring this engineer to like figure out what's going on and it becomes the military versus these apparitions. And it is, it's rad, man. (laughs) Check it out. It's, it's really good. Oh, that's great. No, that's really good to hear because yeah, I'm always, you know, and and I've been saying that a lot of original Netflix films are kind of mediocre at best. So oh, yeah. It's nice to hear yeah there there are a few duds. Unlike their, unlike their television shows that are really exceptional. So, Holy shit, Stranger Things came out of nowhere. Yes, it did. And it's just awesome. Yes, it did. Just awesome. Now, here's a movie from uh, here's a movie from 2015, 
but now is streaming and I thought was great and uh, leaning back into Star Trek because Anton Yelchin and Patrick Stewart are in it, that Green Room movie. Yo, yeah, wow. I keep here. I did my cue. I haven't watched it yet. Oh, man. Good? Oh, yeah, it's it's really, really good. And, you know, once again, Patrick Stewart shows you another side of him, and it's like, nice going. That guy's so good. Yeah, he is. He's so good. Completely atypical what? of anything else I've ever seen him in. What's the new show that he's on where he's like oh, a Blunt Talk. newscaster? <laughs> Blunt Talk, yeah. That's Jonathan Ames. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jonathan Ames and Seth uh, MacFarlane for uh, Stars. It's, it's, yeah, it's I pretty haven't, good. Uh, I haven't seen it, but every like preview I see of it is like, oh, fuck, that seems great. It has some funny stuff in it, and it is funny seeing him being so outlandishly ridiculous. It's it's yeah. it's hit and miss, but I do think the, the hits are funny, so it's certainly worth <laughs> watching. So. Yeah, it, it yeah, does yeah. make me laugh. But I, there are some, there are there are parts of each episode where I'm like, all right, let's move on. But uh, uh-huh. but no, yeah, they, I mean, yeah, yeah. he is he's got that ironically funny, like it's kind of like Jeff, like a Jeffrey Tambor kind of performance. Okay, you know where, yeah, where yeah. a guy's just being so like 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 a Hank Kingsley, but but a more powerful Hank Kingsley. You know, I'm not talking about uh-huh. I'm not talking about. Uh, his uh, his transgender show on uh, on Amazon. I'm talking about the you uh, Sanders yeah. and stuff. The Larry Sanders actually. I, uh, my wife and I just bought that series because there was some special on Amazon. So we haven't started it yet. But sooner or later, when we run out of TV, we're just going to pick a night, and that's going to be Larry Sanders night. It's my favorite. We watch that whole show. Yeah, my favorite '90s uh, sitcom. I mean, I, it's such a genius. It's so show. good, man. Oh yeah, and God, when it, when right, literally right after Gary Shandling passed away this summer. I immediately went out and bought um, the box set for the for the whole series. I have the other two disc uh, set that they put out that has a ton of great bonus stuff of him. Interview- oh yeah, yeah. They have and, and some of these interviews are even on YouTube. But like he and Seinfeld sat down and talked about ending their show while it was still you know creatively satisfying, and that's right. a really good conversation. And God, there's just a really heartbreaking conversation he has with. Linda Doucette, who played Hank's assistant, um, and I forget her name, but I do have blanking. But Darlene, and she was she was really Gary Shandling's uh, live-in girlfriend, and you, I mean, they just have this very uncomfortable conversation, and you know, Shandling really was interested in the human condition, and if you really yeah. go back and look at, at and listen to a lot of his more intense interviews, it comes through, and it's all over these uh these interviews he he does an interview with alec baldwin they both boxed uh at 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 a few you know like at an la gym and they're sparring in between stuff yeah yeah it's crazy and and shanley he was like he never wanted to get into fistfights as a kid and he kind of learned he wanted to learn boxing to i don't i don't even know what his motivation was but it's very very, i want to get punched in the face what's that he just wanted to be punched in the face. You know what that feels I like, I guess? I don't, I don't know, but it's pretty amazing. And Baldwin clearly is a better boxer, and he gets in some shots, and it's they're both taking it seriously in terms of, you know, like, like you know, you're playing like a like an intense Baldwin, game of basketball or something like that, you know. Baldwin also would have a serious height advantage, right? And is he a good bit taller than Gary Shanley? I didn't. You're probably right, a couple inches or whatever. But it was clear that and and um, Shanling has a coach in his corner. That again, I mean, it's it's 
It's slightly competitive, but also oh, I love that he had a coach. That's amazing. It's, fa- it, it's fascinating. <laughs> it really is. Ducogny's on there. Sharon Stone is on there. Um, yeah, it's it's great. No, it's uh, oh man, I'm gonna look that up. It's called like not just the best of uh, Larry Sanders. Yeah, not just not okay. just the best of the Larry Sanders show, but yeah, great stuff. Great stuff. So yeah, that might be our uh, Christmas break. There you go. It's- might be our new tradition. I can appreciate that. Oh shit! I, mean, I forgot when we were talking about comics. I forgot to mention Jason Aaron's run on uh, Thor. I think is yes, fucking awesome. Like, I have never That's really great. been into Thor, but holy shit, uh, it's I, I, I'm in. No, it's like and I, and with his side Ribic uh, drawing it when he did and everything, it was like uh, like if heavy metal was was doing Thor stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just gorgeous. God, what a shitty year! God, all the all the wonderful. I mean, oh my you know, god! In terms of all the great people it, we lost, and continued to. It started with Robin Williams killing himself. Yeah. I mean, it it. Ugh. Yeah. It was a rough, but god, rough I mean, year. You know, I, January. I remember when Bowie passed away, and Glenn Frey, and just you know, <laughs> all the music people we lost, and and film and television people, and poor Alan Thicke even last week. Jesus. I know, and uh, you know, and I get it that uh, guys of our age, like the the celebrities that we sort of grew up watching, are now getting older, and, and that maybe that's why it seems so uh, like there's a, a lot happening. I don't, I don't know, but it's been a rough year. Yeah, it sucks. Ridiculous, man. Oof. Yeah. Well, I don't want to end on a downer. What other? Uh, let's see. Yeah, no kidding. I was like, I, was I, I want to keep looking at uh, like, what else is great. Yeah, other other great uh, comics. Um, I gotta uh, tell you, the DC Rebirth, I've really enjoyed it, and in particular, thank God, because it's been a good five plus years since they got Superman right. I really think since James Robinson yeah. and Greg Rucka were writing Superman, it's been that long. And I love what Dan Jurgens is doing, and I love what Pete Tomasi is doing, and the art teams are great, and I'm really glad that it's back to that pre-Flashpoint Superman who was married to Lois Lane, and I love the idea that they have a kid. And it's like, okay. that's what Superman should be. I think the new 52's uh, young Superman. So he's is, not like, Superman's not like 25 and wearing armor and jeans? Exactly, no? exactly. No. Okay. Yeah, they got rid of all that. Thank God. They literally killed that Superman off. And I, man, it was like watching Jason Todd die back in the 80s. It's just like, good, <laughs> die, please die. Are you dead yet? Oh, so, man, yeah, I checked out I checked out of DC for a while. Uh, so everybody good to hear. Did. Everybody did. It was it, honestly, it was really, it was pathetic and and truly when you know Tom King right now, by the way, writing Batman and doing an exceptional oh, man. job. Oh my god! And Scott Snyder's Batman. I wouldn't, you know, I say I checked out DC. That's not entirely true. Uh, Scott Snyder's Batman has been consistently really oh, yeah. good. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I can't say that I'm current on it, but he and uh, 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 Greg uh, Capullo, Capullo, yeah, uh, have have done. That's a perfect Batman pairing. I would agree. You know, and I and I'm a, a new convert to Valiant, which I mean, they, yeah. they have so many great writers that I have, you know, enjoyed their work through doing Word Balloon, and you know, when Matt Kitt and Jeff Lemire and um, Fred Van Lenty and you know uh, uh, Jen Van Meter are, are among their like top writers, and I like Jody Hauser, what she's doing with uh, Faith. I think is yeah. That, yeah, yeah. you know has a nice message and I think uh, does what it what it should in terms of being a good superhero book. Um, yeah, cool. you know I, I'm surprised because I never was a value I think like reader in the '90s. Um, Invader Zim from Oni, 
uh, is really well done. Uh, if you're a fan of that property at all, or if you're not, I think it's it's a really good book. And uh, O'Tour, have you, are you reading that? No, From tell a, me about O'Tour. Oh man, it's bonkers. It's it's I, it is almost better that I don't tell you it. It's uh, the art is crazy, the story is crazy. It's uh, about a crazy uh, uh, executive producer director who's just. I mean, he hires a serial killer at one point to be in his movie about a serial killer. Like it's, <laughs> it is crazy in the best way. Um, and I'm doing a terrible job of summarizing it. And so they'll probably be mad at me, but, um, okay. But I'll, I'll check it out. Is that, that's another Oni book. That's another Oni book. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. I'll check it out. Um, it's really good. Uh, uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick's Bitch Planet has been great. Yes. has been great. Yeah, I'm, I've always been a big uh, fan of, her, of hers and Val's, and I'm really happy that they're doing as well as yeah, they are. Yeah, and yeah. also Pretty Deadly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, You know, when I first bought that book, I was a little hesitant on it, but I'm I'm super into it now. Yeah, it's a cool book. Um, and uh, anything Matt Fraction writes, I'm, I'm there. I'm with you. I'm definitely you know. with you. There you go. Bendis, go you know. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. Brian, oh, no, Brian's doing yeah. great. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know. I won't touch him. I won't touch him. No, he's <laughs> uh, I, I actually just bought uh, the new Jessica Jones series that they're they're doing, and yes. it's it's just like old times. Yeah, I, I, I know. I felt the same way. It's like it's they picked up exactly where they left off. It's great. I, I'm really yeah, happy I, that Gatos is back because he has a very specific way. Another one that I uh, am looking at, and I haven't had a chance. I uh, I got an advanced copy from Mike Oming, but him and Douglas Rushkoff are doing this really interesting uh, book with um, Adolf Hitler and oh god, now I'm now I'm blanking. Uh, Alistair Cook. Okay. Isn't it Alistair Cook or? I don't I don't know the the name. What's Wait the the book that they're doing? I, I, uh, oh, it's Hitler and Alistair Cook, the person. Yeah, it's, I don't a, know yeah, it's called Cook Alistair. Yeah, it's Alistair and Adolf, and um, and I'm, I, actually, it's probably not Alistair Cook. Isn't Alistair Cook the uh, British guy that does Masterpiece Theater? Possibly. That sounds more <laughs> right. Alistair Cook sounds very British. Yeah, hello. So, hello. Hitler and I are collaborating on something very well. Uh, I'll tell you what I'm excited to see is uh, uh, there, the mouse guard has been picked up David by Pierce. the guy that did uh, the Planet of the Apes reboot, so... Uh, I would. I cannot wait to see what they do with that. That's yeah, I, you know, David is so exceptional. And yeah, um, yeah, I, I quite talk agree. about a beautiful book. Yes. I'm sure Oming is pissed that we we're talking about Mouse Guard when he's got my Templar. Well, you know, oh, well, well that's all right. And you know, I mean, I'm about to give him love with this Alistair and Adolf book because he's the artist on it, and it's uh, God bless it. What's it, what's his name? Uh, Alistair Crowley, of course. Shame on me. Oh, yes. And it's a very heady book, uh, Alistair and Adolf. And um, you, said, you said they sent you a preview of it already? Pre- yeah, they sent me a preview of it, and I'm looking. Is it, cool. Maybe it, maybe it's out in 2017. I don't know if it's if it's come out yet or not. No, it came out. All right, issue uh, issue one came out in November. So yeah, okay. So that counts. Another Oming book is uh, Cade Carson has a cybernetic eye. The book he's doing with Gerard Way. For Gerard Way's uh, Young Animal DC oh, no imprint, shit. Yeah. and and man, I'm two issues in. I love all those crazy Silver Age characters. And yeah, Kate, and yeah, Kate, you know, Cave Carson is a perfect example of that. 
and it's a lot of fun and it reminds me it's still very different but it reminds me of uh when they brought animal man back in you know oh, right. in, in the 90s and stuff and it became as good as it did and even when uh, they brought it back uh 5 years ago that was one of the cool few. so i mean like they're they're not doing like a grim and gritty thing right it's sort of more of a, a fun a funner take on it or well, it's, like where, it's where are you which way are they going i would say it's a quirky take on it and it and it acknowledges everything that happened in the silver age it's just he's he is back and he's got a daughter and and it's just you know kind of figuring out his place in the world and everything and he's oh cool yeah and he's a former kind of international adventurer and stuff and gets sucked back into a a, a thing and also his cybernetic eye seems to show after images of people that are dead and they seem to be ta- you know calling to him and stuff so his cybernetic eye is reaching other planes of existence now and stuff it's kind of interesting i i, I think it's Gee, i think it's really I, cool there's a a book van jensen is doing the uh the adaptations of the james bond novels yes um i, I are they the, I wait really... a minute are those are those adaptations of the novels or is he doing uh new stories with dynamite uh, I thought he was doing an adaptation of the novel, but I might be entirely wrong. I could be on wrong on that. I don't know because I really love Dynamite's James Bond stuff. It started with Warren Ellis. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. And I forget who the current writer is. And Ibrahim Mustafa, a good friend, uh, is uh, doing the art. Oh yeah, I follow him on Twitter. Man, his art is kick ass. He sent me this amazing original piece of uh, it was his tribute. He just did a bunch of like one shot uh i don't know if they're prints or what but images from the books and he sent me a goldfinger and it's oh it's just gorgeous it really is amazing and it's like goldfinger is like the shadow of goldfinger is over uh james bond and odd job in mid fight oh right and it's and they're right. and they're fighting on top of a bar of gold and stuff it's it's just this gorgeous image but uh, i'm psyched too for uh the new book the spin off that's coming up and uh james robinson's going to be writing a felix Leiter book Oh wow! Which yeah, I, yeah. I think that's, that's great. Why not? That's perfect. Yeah, man. No, I love. I, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that they have that. They have that license, and they're just kind of running with it. You know, yeah. not, it seems like they're they're taking big swings, which is cool to see. What did you uh, <clears throat> What did you think of uh, Spectre? I know that was a year ago, but uh, what did you think of it? I ah uh, <laughs> man, see, like I loved. It starts off so well. Yes, you know, like yes. it's starts off great and then about 50 minutes in you're just kind of like what's what's going on and then uh what's his face turns around and goes cuckoo and i i checked out of the movie like it's just i i watched the whole thing i at certain points i was laughing i like i i wanted to like it i've the stunts are great. The action's great. I think the story is kind of a mess. Yeah, and I well, and I thought it was a missed opportunity having Christoph Waltz as Blofeld because it's like, yeah, that's yeah. great. Please, what a great. And but he know, turns around well, like it's a big reveal, and the audience has no reason to know who this guy is or care. Yes. And for that matter, really, neither, neither does James Bond. Like it, it's just. It's kind of a mess. It is a mess. Convoluted oh. backstory tying into James's past and all that nonsense. It's like whatever. But you know what's interesting? Mentioning Oddjob, Chris Batista was was kind oh, of yeah. was fun to watch again. And it's kind like, of great. God damn, who man, knew too. that guy was going to be the exactly. the next great thing? No right? shit, the next good MMA uh, star to actually be a decent actor. No, he's fun as hell in uh, Guardians I, and 
Guardian in the trailer for Gar- for Volume oh, yeah. Two of Guardians. Uh, he's he's got great timing, man. Yeah. Um, and you know, like I'm sitting here bashing Skyfall or uh, uh, Spectre, but I loved Skyfall and I loved the others. Uh, so I don't know. Skyfall was a, a a bit of a letdown, but also I my expectations going into it were crazy high. So well, and I'm as, sure that... as we're you know acknowledging Archer and its greatness and stuff. Moment of silence for the great uh, Napoleon Solo, who we lost. Oh there. yeah, I'm a big yeah, yeah. Bond fan. Do you know? You know, I I let. Um, a friend know about this because uh, it, I think it's great. And, and it's definitely something that likely flew under the radar for, I would say, 99% of the geek audience. But um, BBC Radio and Robert Vaughn did this thing a couple years ago, and it was on Radio 4. And Radio 4 is their drama channel. And they'll do comedies and drama and stuff and original radio okay. plays. And they did this thing called Solo Behind the Iron Curtain. And it was a true story of Robert Vaughn making, or based on a true story of this, like he was making this World War II movie in 1969, and it's the bridge over, and I forget the name of the city, but it's uh, it's this George Siegel, Robert Vaughn, World War II movie, and this uh, young Yugoslavian production assistant, or Czechoslovakian, I think it was Czechoslovakia. No, I think, anyway, regardless, it was one of those Eastern European countries. Sure. And um, she wants to defect and they help her defect. And it's like this crazy Robert Vaughn involved in a real cold war story. And it's cute and it's fun. And they use man from uncle music in the show. Cause I think BBC has a different kind of licensing thing because they always use somehow somehow they got around some rule and they were able to use it. Yeah. Or international law that, you know, I I don't know, or they, or BBC Uh, maybe just does this blanket ASCAP and BMI kind of payment to, you know, whoever deserves it. Yeah. But, but it's, but it's great. And it's, I mean, it's fun. And uh, yeah, it's, it's true because even the production assistant is like, Oh, it's such an honor to be the assistant to the famous Napoleon solo. And they cut into the, the man from uncle music. And it's great because Vaughn did this, maybe eight years ago, and he sounds a little older and stuff, but he still sounds like sure. Napoleon Solo, and it's like, it's kind of fun that he sure, sounds, sure. He's, you know, it's still Robert Vaughn. And he's still a, doing it. Yeah, it was yeah. great, man. So, so yeah, and in fact, I even uh, tweeted to uh, Radio 4 and said, God, you know, with, with his passing, I sure hope you guys are going to, you know, replay the show. And they're like, that's a great idea. And I'm like, good. I'm, I go, I hope you guys were thinking about so it. So when did you first, how did you first hear it? You know, I'm, I I love I listen to BBC radio dramas all the time. They do okay. Th- their Scottish uh, studios do amazing uh, plays. There was their uh, police procedurals and just detective stories and and just great straight up dramas and oh well, I had decent no idea. comedy too. Oh yeah, you know yeah, audio drama is alive and well in Great Britain. And uh, yeah, I mean, and it's really neat to hear it from even beyond. Uh, the English studios to hear it from like the Scottish studios and this one show called P division code four one is this really bleak police procedural that gets these really sad psycho crimes. And you know, half of half the guys, I mean, to stereotype, but they sound like Sean Connery. It's it's fantastic. All the old, they'll take it as a compliment. All the old chief. I think they would all the old chief inspectors. They all sound like, you know, have you got the papers? You know, it's like, (laughs) You know, it's oh, it's fantastic, man. So yeah, they're they're great. Or there was a one called Baldi, and it's this Franciscan priest who solves crimes and stuff, and it's modern. okay. 
but yeah, it's crazy. And every era, I mean, you know, Lord Peter Whimsy from the thirties. Yeah. They always do a ton of interesting dramas. So yeah, I'm just a sucker for that shit. That's cool, man. We're, I'm always looking for new things to listen to at work. Lots of times we're, we're in the thick of designs. There you go. Uh, I share an, uh, share an office with our other art director on uh, the, on our church at her. And the two of us are just l- looking for podcasts uh, to play. So yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, I'll check that out. Yeah, Radio 4 and Radio 4 Extra are the two channels, and they they have a lot of audio on demand. And also, they do great documentaries. They do tremendous documentaries. Cool. So, you know, God, I heard one a couple years ago, and it was all about uh, the Beatles, and it was called Bigger Than Jesus, and literally it was about that period of yeah. John, John making the comment <laughs> and all the fallout the afterwards. The peak and the fall. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, you know, and it's funny because last year was the 50th anniversary of all that stuff. Or this past year. Oh, was it really? It was 66 when he said it. And, yeah, and in fact, uh, his their first press conference to address the comment happened in Chicago in August. And uh, the album rock station I was working at, I'm like, oh, you know, we ought to do something. It's the 50th anniversary. And they're like, <sighs> I'm like, okay, good talking to you. Good idea. Glad I brought it up. Dumbass. Just so, crickets. Yeah, what are you going to do? So, anyway. Yeah. Uh, but there you go. All right, we get, we gave a good recommend list there. I think of uh, things to watch, All right. and things to we listen okay, to. Right? Absolutely. I'm man. sure I blanked on. Mo- I I can't imagine how many names I just slaughtered, but I think we did all right. Absolutely. Well, but but more importantly, Redline again comes out in March, and ordered yeah, at the at the, end, at the end of uh, at the end of this month from Oni. So uh, go to your LCS and pull out the Diamond catalog and and order Redline, and uh, and then of course the Art of Archer is out. And a, a beautiful book. Is it like coffee table size? It looks like it was kind of wide. Yeah, it's format. coffee table size. It's um, it's not too huge. It's 240 pages, uh, if that gives you an idea. And it's a um, maybe an inch thick, so it's not it's not a giant tome, but uh, it's a perfect coffee table book. Uh, it's hardback, so it's like uh, the printing on it is really it's really well done. Harper Collins did a great job on excellent uh, the execution of it. So. Uh, we're really proud of it. I, I hope people check it out, and I hope people check out Redline. It's a, uh, I, I'm really proud of that series. I think uh, it's really great. Uh, I, if you just look at it for Clay and Kelly's art alone, I think that it's worth it. I agree. And also, um, if you uh, missed season seven of Archer, it's uh, currently running on FX this month. So uh, I did. I had right, right. That. I noticed that on my on demand because I was like, oh, maybe I can, you know, look at relook at a couple episodes or whatever. And I'm like, oh no, they're all just airing on television. So uh, <laughs> if you want to, if you do want to catch uh, Archer season seven happening uh, happening now on FX and uh, season eight uh, soon to come uh, next year. And man, I'm really excited that uh, you guys are greenlit through season ten. Nice going, man. Yeah, man, it's a, it's ex- exciting times, and uh, hopefully we'll have some big announcements coming. Uh, the next few months, we'll we'll see. Excellent. Well, again, let's let's make certain that uh, we have a we have a new talk. But dude, I'm I'm happy to welcome you back, and uh, let's not wait uh, eight years for the next one. Let's uh, only make it months. Yeah, buddy. Thanks for having me. It's been it's been a pleasure. There you go, Neil Holman, Art of Archer, available now. Order it because if you love the show, you're gonna love this book. It it really is everything you always wanted to know about Archer in one nice volume. And look for red lines from Oni Press coming up in March. Thanks again for listening to Word Balloon today, brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. As I said before, thank you, League, for your wonderful support. And uh, you know, if you want to help the cause, go to wordballoon.com and uh, click on that uh, Patreon ad right there on the front page. 
and uh, it will take you there to uh, be able to subscribe to Word Balloon. But truly, thank you for the support, League of Word Balloon listeners. And, of course, by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com, where you can get things like the Deadpool Omnibus by Brian Posehn and Jerry Duggan. Uh, this is an incredible volume. Man, 1,344 pages. And you've got artists like Tony Moore, Scott Koblish, uh, Mike Hawthorne, Declan Shelby, Kari Randolph. A uh, very impressive group of artists. Uh, 45% off. It's just $55 at in-stock trades. And I really do think that uh, Posehn and Duggan uh, are among uh, the fine art writers who have uh, put some interesting spins on Deadpool. So, uh, there's the Amazing Spider-Man Epic Collection Great Responsibility Trade Paperback. And this uh, features uh, a lot of very cool stuff uh, from uh, Steve uh, Ditko and, and, and Stan Lee. Goes back to the original run, really. Uh, this collects Amazing Spider-Man 18 through 38 and the second annual. Uh, 50% off, just $19.99. You can get uh, Avengers... Marvel Universe, Avengers Ultron Revolution Digest. Uh, Joe Carmanga is the writer, and uh, uh, this is a, a digest, uh, but uh, pretty neat little compact collection of uh, Avengers stories, and clearly, uh, I think, uh, based on uh, the uh, animated uh, version of the show, because it, it collects uh, issues one through four of the Ultron Revolution. Uh, it's uh, 50% off, just $4.99. As I said before, there's the Punisher trade paperback, Volume 1, On the Road. Uh, Steve Dillon work with Becky Cloonan, a Declan Shelby uh, cover. It's a great collection. Uh, it collects issues 1 through 6 of this year's Punisher series. 50% off, just $8.99. That and a hell of a lot more waiting for you at InStockTrades.com. Great deals, great books, great prices. Check it out for yourself, InStockTrades.com. Thanks again for listening. More great stuff coming up uh, before the end of the week and before Christmas. Can you believe it? Yes, there is still uh, at least one more uh, episode before Christmas because, again, great conversations. They're great end-of-the-year conversations and, uh, in some cases, very Christmas-related. So I wanted to get this stuff to you, uh, you know, so you got it in time to listen to it when you're on the road heading for your uh, Christmas weekend uh, destinations. Uh, drive safe, be careful out there, and fear not, because another episode of Word Balloon is on the way. Until next time, Word Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions, copyright 2016.